The Morning Show. The Home Team. No, it's both. It's the crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brave. Crossover, step back! Right here on 960theref.com. What's up, everybody? Sam Franco, Chris Brain, back with another exciting episode of The Crossover right here on 960theref.com. Episode number 12. So we're just trucking right along here as the summer rolls on. You've had the all-star game in baseball. The American League won again. Shocker. Stunning, yes. Yes. And uh, we will also kind of talk about that and, and really give our ideas as to how maybe that can be improved. Because I'll say this. That game was super boring. But the home run derby was fantastic. I watched neither, Sam, so I don't know. Okay, but yeah. the you know I guess I'll explain the tweaks that they did to the rule system to you then and see if there's anything at other All-Star games that we can do to improve that. But first, SEC Media Days 2017 going on right now as we record this in Hoover, Alabama. And Georgia has come and gone with this. Uh, Nick Saban, as we record this, is, uh, I believe, on the podium talking to the media. So... It's a zoo over there in Hoover right now, as the emperor is uh, currently, again, as we record Lecturing. This. Yes, he is uh, He is chastising the yes. media for being bad people and uh, wanting them to not uh, bother him as much as they do. But SEC Media Days, as you so lovingly call it, SEC Con, uh, where you have just a whole bunch of uh, fans showing up and, and trying to uh, be near the emperor or near their favorite coach, whether it be Kirby Smart or Kevin Sumlin, or Butch Jones. And that's where I want to start today, is Butch Jones, because he had some interesting quotes. And Butch Jones seems to live life up on this pedestal that's above the rest of us, where everything that everybody else says is wrong, and everything that he says is right. And if you question him, he does not appreciate that very much. And he said during his session at SEC Media Days, that Tennessee's season last year was not a disappointment. <laughs> and it's funny because one of his players, when he was asked that same question, was like, yes, it was a disappointment because you want to get to Atlanta, and they obviously didn't do that. But we've had Butch Jones now talk about the championship of life, and now he's saying that Tennessee's season wasn't a disappointment, which is just a bold-faced lie because it absolutely was a disappointment. Yeah, let's poll their fans. And that's why, I mean, I, coaches need to be aware that fans aren't stupid. You know, no. they want to they sell everything and that it's, uh, it's not as bad as you think it is. But, you know, f- fans know what's going on. And Tennessee last year did blow a golden opportunity. I mean, I guess in some ways there were things about it that certainly weren't completely a bust. They did beat Florida for the first time in a long time. And they beat Georgia. But in the end, doing that still kept them out of the SEC championship game. And they got embarrassed by Vanderbilt. I mean, that game was not as close as the score ended no. up being. All right, they got blown out by Vandy, which should, which should be embarrassing. And um, they lost to a South Carolina team being quarterbacked by a kid who should have been a senior in high school. Yeah, they lost the championship of life right after they had uh, said Claimed that they won it. it. Yeah, and then Vandy went out and <laughs> snatched it from them. And then Vandy lost it to NC State, as we keep uh, track of that. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, when you want to sit there and pretend that all's well, there's nothing to see here, you're just, you know, you're 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 assuming your fans are dumb, I guess. I don't know. But. Right, and, and one of the things that I find funny in all that, too, is that, you know, you're a guy in Butch Jones who is sitting on a hot seat and instead of owning up to it and 
sort of trying to say we're doing our best to improve it. You're acting like nothing's wrong. And my bold prediction on the morning show so far this summer for college football is that Butch Jones is going to go two and three in the month of September, and he will not be their coach when October 1st rolls around because they've got a game Labor Day night against Georgia Tech. They also play Florida, and they play the Dogs on September 30th. So I don't think they beat Georgia Tech. I think they're going to lose that game. I don't think they're going to beat Florida, and I don't think they're going to beat Georgia because they're replacing a very good quarterback and a lot on defense. And quite frankly, in recruiting, I haven't really seen them do enough to where it looks like they're going to be able to replace those guys without taking a a pretty big step back. And that's the thing. When you take a step back from a disappointing season, and yes, Butch Jones, it was a disappointing season, it's going to be very tough for him to keep that job without doing something that not a lot of people think that they can do. No, that's a tough first month to navigate, too, when you got, uh, you're pretty much turning over your offense. I mean, I guess one... Uh, you know, one silver lining to the fact that they had uh, really good players last year like uh, Jalen Reeves, Maven, and Cam Sutton get hurt is uh, outside of Derek Barnett, they actually do return uh, a, a, some, some experience defensively. But when they've got a turnover as much as they do on offense, losing three of their four top rushers between Kamara Hurd and then Dobbs, they lose their top receiver, Josh Malone, uh, and then they lose Dobbs at quarterback. Plus, they've got a new offensive coordinator, although. Uh, Mike DeBoard leaving for Indiana, while that's a curious move, you, you've got a job at Tennessee and you leave for the same job at Indiana. I don't think that that's – I think that's a, a case possibly of addition by subtraction. I think it might be a case of somebody realizing that the chum has been thrown into the water around his guy and maybe he was looking out for himself. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's probably – I mean, yeah, when you think about why would a guy leave Knoxville to uh, to take a job at Indiana? And, yeah, I mean, DeBoard's probably aware of, like, they might be living on borrowed time there, but that is a, that's a tough first month of the season when you've got those three games you've got to play and you've got – um, you know, you've got to figure things out on offense with, it sounds like, two new quarterbacks. Butch Jones did hint that he might just play two of them there at the beginning of the season and that new offensive coordinator. And, you know, I don't, one thing about Tech, they do have an experienced defense coming back. Now, Tech's defense isn't great, but uh, maybe they'll be a little bit better with, uh, with that. Then they go to the Swamp. And then, yeah, I mean, Georgia goes there, and we hadn't beaten them now in the last couple of years, and we've blown big leads against them, so... Yeah, I'd like to feel that Georgia's in a better spot this year than Tennessee is. Um, but, I mean, that's certainly not one I'm looking at from Georgia and saying is anything more than a toss-up game. Though. Well, I think Georgia has more talent on this team than Tennessee has on theirs. That doesn't always mean you're going to win the game. But I do have a question for you. If Josh Dobbs doesn't have that miracle heave that ends in a touchdown Hail Mary against the Dogs and wins that game, is he is Butch Jones the coach of Tennessee right now? I, you know, I actually think he probably still is. The thing that helped him last year was they had their outgoing AD and then didn't even hire their next AD until it was like the spring or something like that. So, yeah, I don't think that um, that they were going to fire Butch Jones and then basically have a new head coach before they had a new AD because then who the heck is going to take that job, not even knowing who you're going to end up reporting to or who your boss is. But that's another factor there with Butch Jones is that they've got a new chancellor, they've got a new athletics director. So if things if things do go sideways for them this year, you would uh, you definitely would have to put him on one of, if not the hottest seat in the uh, in the conference. Would you agree with my sentiment, though, if that he lost all three of those big games in September that he probably doesn't make it into October? 
Yeah, no, I think they have a bye week somewhere That's in there. That's what it is. The bye week, I think, is the next is the week after the Georgia. Yeah, when they play South Carolina, they'll they there's a good chance they'd have an interim coach. And uh, if that's the case, then uh, you know Butch Jones, uh, as much as he wanted to think that last season wasn't a disappointment, and would definitely be riding on the fact that last season was a disappointment, and going into this season, uh, it continued to be a disappointment. It's almost like, and you hit the nail on the head talking about fans aren't stupid. It's kind of like what the Braves did in their early part of this rebuild that they're in right now, where they were like, this isn't a rebuild, and they kept saying all that stuff. It's like, we're not dumb. Like, th- that makes me lose respect for the people that are saying those things. And if I'm a Tennessee fan right now, I'm furious at, at Butch Jones for for acting the way that he's acting, that holier-than-thou attitude. It's like, don't second-guess me. I'm Butch Jones. It's like, what have you done to earn that? Like, Nick Saban has that attitude and he's earned it because he's won a lot. He's won national championships. What has Butch Jones done at Tennessee to deserve to have that attitude? Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, all you, if you're a Tennessee fan, all you've uh, you know, all you've got now is just you know you're getting you've got a program now that's just being laughed at from others. Because right. when you, I mean, when you had coaches talking about how like they've how many, the strides that they've made in the APR scores. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's like you know, fans don't really care about that. No, absolutely. Right? They want you. It's all about winning games, and those players aren't recruited there for their academic prowess. They're recruited there to play football, and um, you know. So when you've got to start touting what you've any gains that you've made in the academic progress rate, then you know things aren't going well on the field. Well, it's just hilarious to me that you know these players that they send to SEC media days are super coached up on what to say and things like that. So I'm not sure if Butch Jones was just kind of speaking off the cuff there by saying that it wasn't a disappointment. But when he says it wasn't a disappointment last season, and one of his players is like, well, it was a disappointment. It's just really funny the mixed messages that a program is sending there by you know the head guy saying, no, 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 we're good. It's not a disappointment. And then the player's like, yeah, we're kind of upset we didn't make it to Atlanta. You know, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, how, how can you not? I mean, I don't see how last year can be viewed as anything but disappointing there, but... And I don't know what uh, you know, which Butch Jones thinks he has to gain by saying otherwise. Because I promise you, there's not a Tennessee fan that thinks that last season was anything other than a, a disappointment. I mean, especially in light of the fact that they did beat Georgia and Florida, and then still didn't make it to the SEC title game. Oh, that's right. And anytime you lose to a South Carolina team that was pretty bad last season, they got better once they pulled the red shirt off the quarterback and and, and tried to you know really uh, just move on into the next season already but you know you lose that game you lose to Vanderbilt yeah it just was a it was a disappointment they they should have been the team that went to Atlanta they had the most talent of any of the teams in the east and they didn't capitalize on it well in in Tennessee had four wins last year where they were outgained so that Appalachian State game was awful they should have lost I mean Uh, the Appalachian State lost that game Tennessee didn't win it yeah, I mean, Tennessee got lucky on that fumble in the end zone. That um, I can't remember if it was Dobbs that fumbled and Hurd that recovered or if it was Hurd that fumbled and Dobbs recovered, but it, uh, either way it went. They uh, were darn close to that being a touchback Appalachian State ball. Instead, they got the touchdown. They ended up squeaking out that uh, win. But still, they ended up – that Virginia Tech game, Virginia Tech turned it over a bunch. They were outgained in that one. I believe they were outgained against Kentucky, too last uh, season they were outgained by uh, by us here in their victory of uh in Athens so that's four times last year they were outgained in one game so that's just that's not a good sign uh for this season either I mean that's going to come back to haunt them absolutely and uh obviously SEC con you, you get stuff like that 
But you don't necessarily get any like earth-shattering news. And I'm quite frankly surprised that we got as much out of Kirby Smart as we did. Coach Smart revealing something that isn't really a surprise in that Miko Hardman is switching to the offensive side of the ball. He's going to be a wide receiver. But I was surprised that Smart went ahead and said that Kirby, or I mean that uh, Jacob Eason is the starting quarterback because that's something that maybe he could have held on to for a little while longer, but he just went ahead and said it. Maybe it's something to prevent distractions and to just go ahead and barrel forward with Jacob Eason as the guy. But as guarded as the Georgia program has become in terms of things they release to the media under Coach Smart, that was something that surprised me a little bit that he went ahead and said that this early. Honestly, I felt like that was a topic that was just sort of part of the boredom of the offseason. There was there was never in my mind that I think that Georgia was really going to have a second-year coach all of a sudden give up on an entire year of developing a quarterback to basically start all over. All right, now I'm in my second year as a head coach. You know what I think I'm going to do now? Start another true freshman at quarterback. Um, so as we were going through the spring, I kept saying over and over, there, 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 there's not a quarterback controversy here. There's not a quarterback battle. Jacob Eason is starting the first game of the season. And the best thing for Georgia this year is that Jacob Eason uh, is the starting quarterback. Because if he's not at any point, then it does either mean, oops, he hasn't gotten any better. And the team feels that it does need to go to uh, Jake Fromm now or B. I mean, the team's going well and Jacob Eason gets hurt or something. And then all of a sudden, maybe the season uh, ends up going up in smoke because you do have to turn it over to a true freshman. So, I mean, I don't know. That really didn't surprise me either. I mean, I felt all along like Eason was definitely the starter and any idea that Fromm was coming in and was going to end up being the guy was just... Uh, you know, kind of like message board fodder, I suppose. Media creation to draw in ratings and draw in listeners, which, yeah. you know, we're, we're both guilty of doing that on our respective shows, uh, of just trying to make it a topic that it probably wasn't. But I will say that it's not so much the announcement itself, because I agree with you. I, I think Jacob Eason was never really going to be in danger of losing the starting job. To a, another freshman, you know, you don't want to go back-to-back season starting freshman at quarterback if you don't have to. But at the same time, it, it it was the fact that he went ahead and announced it this early, which is what surprised me. Yeah, I mean, he has been a guy that's kind of played it close to the vest. So I don't know why he just went out there and decided to do that. Maybe it just does boil down to distractions for both of them. If that kind of, if he didn't do that, and then there was still kind of talking about like. Oh well, maybe you know who's going to start a quarterback for Georgia and 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 whatnot. Then you know maybe it would just got into both of those guys' heads. But uh, you know it's it probably it's it's good for the rest of the offense to know who the guy's going to be uh, stepping into the season, and it's definitely going to be Eason. Yeah, and just kind of scanning Twitter to see what else is going on at SEC Con. Uh, obviously, Ringman is back. Uh, the guy, the Alabama fan that wears the ring hat and carries a championship sure. belt around, he's back. And apparently, uh, Eric Bizel of Missouri said, quote, it's disrespectful to come on the field at the University of Missouri and expect that you're going to win. (laughs) It's disrespectful for the opponent? Yes. Oh. (laughs) It's like, well, so you're telling me that you're supposed to go and expect to lose? I mean, nobody does that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's and if and if their opponents go to Missouri and expect to win, that's not their opponent's fault. That's more of a Missouri problem, isn't it? That's what it sounds like to me. It's disrespectful to come here and think you're going to win. Okay, so you just shouldn't expect that you're going to win football games? Is that what that kid's saying? Yeah. Uh, anything else from SEC Con that kind of 
tickled your fingers. I mean, real honestly, the big the biggest news is to find out that Arden Key's got uh, a shoulder injury. We know kind of like Trenton Thompson, he had stepped away for you know, personal reasons. Then he had shoulder surgery, so he's not going to be ready for uh, for camp. And then Ed Orgeron even said he doesn't even know if he's going to play in that first game of the season against BYU. And that's one of those games that is kind of sneaky tough on your schedule. And what for LSU is already a difficult schedule because they've only got three SEC home games. Although it did take me a little while to understand what Coach O was saying there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it took me, I had to go back and listen to the audio several times and I figured out, okay, Arden Key and shoulder, it's, uh, it's injured. And then you know, I guess there was the McIlwain stuff where oh, he, gosh. Yeah, he actually dude. did have to talk about being naked on a shark. Settle down, Bucky, okay? <laughs> like, he got really mad, and he was like, uh, it's disrespectful to my family, you know, that the yeah. people are doing this. It's like, dude, settle down. Did he Somebody start was, choking up or something, too? Because I know he didn't even, like, he was. He started commenting on it and then just stopped and just went, next question. Well, I mean, you gotta have you got to have Teflon skin if you're a coach. Or if you're in this kind of position – this kind of stuff's going to happen to you. Well, well you can't let yeah. it get to you like that. It, no, because if you do let it get to you, then it's not going to go away. It's not like fans at other schools are going to say like, "Oh, okay, yeah, poor Florida and poor, yeah. you know, we, we'll we'll let them we'll let them off the hook now." No, the thing you need to do if you take it in stride, yeah, laugh then, it off. Yeah, and then realize like, eh, it's no fun if we can't needle you about it." Well, if he had tried to make a joke about it like right away when somebody asked him about it, it probably goes away. But like you said, he got super defensive and was like, you know, this was disrespectful to my family and all this stuff. It's like, whoa, you're going way overboard. And yeah, this ain't going away now. Right. And you brought this on yourself. Right. And here's the thing. No one believes that that is you on the uh, on the shark. I want to believe it. But it just, <laughs> it, it, but it's, and it's not, it's not him on the shark, no. but it's just, it's funny. It's uncanny that it does kind of look like him. And um, so, yeah. I mean, it's going to follow you around now. And Look, you either can either deal with it, or and if you deal with it, then you know what? It'll probably go away because then it'll get boring if we can't make fun of you. Look, when I was a little kid, I looked strikingly similar to Fred Savage from the Wonder Years. Like, like that. that. Really? So, I guess weird. I had a friend that looked almost lo- just like him, too. And so I got called Wonder Years a lot. Mm-hmm. And it might have bothered me at first, but yeah, you know, my mom told me, hey, if you let it bother you, like, visibly, people are going to keep doing it. And eventually it went away, but that's the thing. Like, you know, if, if, if I had gotten, like, super mad about it and, like, wanted to fight people over it, they're going to keep doing they're it gonna, because yes. that's what people do. They want to egg you on. Right. So if you're Jim McElwain, you got to take it in stride. And, and the way that he reacted was not the way you should react. Now, I will say this. The, the members of the media who are, you know, supposed to be professional or whatever. Right being completely aware that 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 is not him on that shark when you're at a press conference asking him about it should probably be now like done so I can understand if he's asked about it during a press conference if he gets frustrated by it but that's the thing we don't live in the AP style book era of journalism anymore we live in the deadspin SB Nation era of journalism where anybody can write anything. You know, you can have bloggers. You have all, especially at SEC Con. I mean, they pretty much credential anyone that wants one. Yeah, it's like Super Bowl media day. Right. So, I mean, you're going to get that stuff. Right. But, you know, once the season starts and you're after a game and if somebody wants to bring up that dead shark, then, you know, I can understand where it might be out of bounds. But from at least from the media standpoint, this is probably where it should uh, should probably end here. Look, just like Dan Lebitard sold his Hall of Fame baseball vote 
to uh, Deadspin, I am more than willing for any of our listeners to sell my post-game question for Jim McElwain in Jacksonville after the Georgia-Florida game. So if, 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 if somebody wants to make it worth my while, I'll definitely ask him that question after that game. Yeah, but then you know what? You might not have a credential anymore for anything. That's fair. Yeah. Because then they take Levitard's uh, Hall of Fame vote away. They did. Yeah. They did. But, you know, it, it might be worth it. Just I'm saying, make it worth my while. That's all I'm saying. Well, yeah, if you're, gonna, if you're not going to be credentialed anymore for the Georgia-Florida <laughs> game, at least let Sam go down in flames. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh, again, make it worth my while. Tweet me, at Sam J. Franco. All right, so uh, transitioning to the All-Star game and the, uh, the Home Run Derby, I, I do want to get to something that actually just happened at Wimbledon. We'll, we'll finish out with that. But the Home Run Derby was awesome, and the All-Star game was incredibly boring. It was a 2-1, 10-inning game, super boring. They did do this thing where they interviewed players like on the field while the game was going on, like Bryce Harper had a mic, and then uh, um, Springer, uh, one of the left fielders for the American League, had a mic, and they were like talking to them, like Smoltz and Buck were talking to them like during the game. Oh, wow. Which was pretty cool. Neither of them got like a ball hit to them when that was going on, which would have been even cooler. Um, but... I thought that was a cool innovation, but other than that, the game was pretty boring. But the Home Run Derby, they redid it this year to where it was bracketed, and they got rid of outs. So you just hit on a time limit. It was like three and a half minutes, and if you get two home runs of over 440 feet, then they added 30 seconds on at the end. And Aaron Judge put on a show. Uh, John Carlos Stanton, even though he was eliminated in the first round, still put on a show where he was just mashing home runs in a very quick succession. Um, even uh, Miguel Sano of the Twins, uh, had a really good showing. And and I thought that the adapting of the format to where it was bracketed, so you had guys going up against each other, and then you also got rid of outs, and you just had the time limit, so guys could just kind of keep swinging out, worry about outs. I thought that was fantastic. So that was a good tweak. I don't think you can tweak anything in the game, and, and Dave and I were talking about this in the morning show. The All-Star game in basketball is fun because they don't play defense and people are just lobbing up and doing dunks and stuff like that. You can't do that in baseball. You can't really change the game. No, the only thing you could do is just not allow good pitchers to pitch in it. And right. Like, just have the all-stars be hitters. I yeah. mean, if, like, the low-scoring defensive struggle is if you'd rather see runs scored than, you know, let Jim Johnson pitch in the all-star game. Uh, and then it just against, like, Bryce Harper and Giancarlo Stanton and just have, you know, let really awful pitchers in there and do it. I still think – like, I don't watch any of the all-star games – but if, if to me, if there was one that was actually worth watching, the baseball one is it. Because it's the only one where the way the game is played Isn't like doesn't fundamentally change. Because like you said, in the NBA, I mean, they're scoring like 300 points in that game. Yeah, They don't play defense. And it's just, I mean, there's no fouls ever called. Mm-hmm. I know we've got the box score hanging up in our That's studio right, from yes. last year's. And it is, it's like, weren't there like five free throws taken in the whole game or something? Yeah, so, and look, eventually a team's going to score 200 points in the All-Star game. Well, yeah, I mean, the West scored like 190 or something yeah, this year. Yeah. yeah, so they'll get there. Yeah, and then, you know, football, there's no blitzing. Um, you can't... I mean, you can't, like, rush kicks and things like that. <laughs> I don't think I've watched the Pro Bowl other than, like, to check in and see, like, what Julio Jones or somebody's done in an incredibly long time. Right. I mean, I and I don't watch any of them, and I didn't watch the uh, the All-Star game the other night, but I guess if I was, you know, if I had to rank, like, which is the one that's worth watching, it's still baseballs. Although I'll say this, the skills position stuff, or, I mean, the, the, the skills challenge stuff for me is way more entertaining. Like, what they did with the Pro Bowl this year where they had, like, a bunch of different skills challenges, like Odell Beckham Jr. won the contest where they dropped the ball from a drone that kept getting higher and higher up in the sky. Like that was cool. 
Yeah, and I've said that's like what if you want to spice up the Pro Bowl, that's what they need to do is like have things like incorporate other elements of other All Star games, like have those guys in a slam dunk contest or have those guys in a home run derby. And even with a home run derby for me, because like the, you know, we love brackets. So to have like this kind of bracketed format, I know seems appealing. But then what happened the other night is like that Justin Bohr hit 22 home runs against. against Aaron Judge and then lost in the first round. But here's like, this guy hit the second most home runs in the first round and then he got eliminated. So, (laughs) I mean, you've got this home run derby where hitting the most home runs doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to win it. I think, too, the home run derby, like those pitchers that can rake, Mm -hmm. and I know he's hurt, but like let Madison Bumgarner be Absolutely, absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement with you there. And Aaron Judge, you know, for those of you that don't pay attention to this kind of stuff, that guy is incredible. I mean, he hit four home runs over 500 feet. He hit basically four miles worth of home runs. And he hit one over that stupid monument. He did, he? Yeah, yeah. 47 total home runs in the Derby. And, you know, that guy, is he's six foot seven, like 280. Like, he's huge. And uh, he's uh, the next big thing in baseball, I would think. You know, you've got Mike Trout, Bryce Harper. You've got those guys. I think Freddie Freeman, if he continues to play really well, could kind of get up to that level. But, yeah, Aaron Judge is that that next big thing. Uh, Yeah, and then, you know, of course he plays for the Yankees, which is just going to make him even uh, a larger-than-life figure. Oh, if the guy was playing for the the Texas Rangers or something, I'm like, oh, wow, this guy for the Rangers has 30 home runs right now. But the fact that he plays for the Yankees just makes it even bigger. Yeah, it blows it up. There's no question about that. And uh, just really quickly before we transition to Wimbledon for a second, um, the second half, although we're already past the halfway point, but that's kind of what they call it here after the All-Star break, the second half of the season, it really kind of is looking right now like we're going to see, if the standings hold up, we'll see Dodgers and Houston, uh, the Astros, in the World Series. And that would be a great matchup because you have the just ridiculously powerful lineup of the Houston Astros against the really good pitching of the L.A. Dodgers. Yeah, and I mean, with the Dodgers, it's like you've got, okay, it's the L.A. Dodgers. I I mean, I'm guilty of still having a hard time. It's like, uh, do I really want to see the Houston Astros in the World Series? But, man, I watched a, when they came to Atlanta back in the 4th of July. 26 runs in two games. Yeah, I mean, they're like, they're absurdly good, and I'm like, what their record on the road this year is insane. But um, I just remember the last time the Astros were in the World Series against the White Sox, and that might be the worst World Series of all time. I don't remember who won, who it was a four game sweep is all I remember, but I guess I've got a fifty fifty chance of oh the White Sox won it I think right I'm gonna guess the White Sox won it but I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> That's the last time the Astros were in the World Series. That's a good point, and uh, you know I think that when you look at uh, at the way that baseball is going right now. I think they've done a, a good bit of stuff to kind of improve marketing and improve what they've done because they had the doldrums there for a while, and they were in some trouble. Yeah, and, they're juicing the baseball again, so well, their home runs are being hit. Well, the NBA clearly surpassed baseball as the number two sport you know, in the United States, and it's still that way, but maybe baseball can do something to get it back a little bit with some of these young stars, so we'll see. And uh, shout-out to Alex Wood, by the way, uh, who had a uh, heck of a first half, and hopefully he continues that for the rest of the season. But uh, we'll wrap up today with some Wimbledon talk where Sam Query, just as we started recording this, had just beaten number one seed Andy Murray to advance to the semifinals. We have an American in the semifinals of Wimbledon. For, you know, for the first time since Roddick. Andy Roddick was the only American male to do anything in Grand Slam titles or, or uh, tournaments for a long time. Now, Query last year, remember, beat Djokovic there 
in the round of 16, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or may, actually, that might have been in the third round uh, last year. Yeah, because I don't even think Query I – mean, Query made the quarters last year too. So now, I don't – you know, that was a weird match. I was watching it, and um, they split the first two sets. Then Murray won a tie break pretty easily. And then all of a sudden, he, just, he lost 6-1, 6-1. Completely lost his serve. Uh, lost the lost a lot of the miles per hour on his serve, and I, you know I had suspected Murray was a little bit banged up going into it. He lost the only match he played on grass in one of those warm up tournaments, and he hadn't really had a great season this year. He did make the French Open semifinal, but something has seemed off about him all year. But to lose on center court at Wimbledon to an American, and then to just get blown out in the fourth and the fifth set is really. I mean, it's puzzling. I mean, it had to be something wrong with him. Yeah, I mean, no I offense to Query, so. but something had to have gone wrong with 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 Murray at at some point. I mean, basically, you've got Djokovic, Federer, and uh, you know Sam Query uh, still kicking around. So, uh, can Sam Query shock the world here and do the impossible and win Wimbledon? I'm going to say probably not, but you know, if he does, that would be really great for American tennis because the American men have needed it for a long time. Well, I mean, Djokovic and Federer are on the same side, so he's going to play – Query is going to play the winner of the uh, Mueller and Chilich match. which That as helps him out. Which, as we're recording this – well, actually, Chilich is about to win. As we're okay. recording this, he's up five games to none in the fifth set. Okay. So it's going to be Query and Chilich against uh, – and then either uh, Djokovic and Federer, hopefully. Will be the uh, will be the winners in those other two, but as we're recording this, <laughs> yeah, exactly. those matches have uh, not started. Yeah, so hey, if it's if it's either one of those guys, those are both really really good tennis players, and if Sam Querrey somehow can pull this off, that would be just monumental for American tennis. Just because the last time, as you mentioned, an American man has done anything at Wimbledon was Andy Roddick, and really the last time an American man has done anything was Andy Roddick. In fact, Roddick beat Roddick beat Murray on center court at Wimbledon. Mm-hmm. Once, so that's not the first time they've seen their uh, they've seen their boy Andy Murray get beaten by an American on center court. No, which has to be tough because American men's tennis has been, uh, I mean, it's been pitiful for a long time. In fact, I mean, the women's game outside of the Williams sisters has been yeah. not uh, not terrific either. No, it has not been. So we will uh, when we reconvene next week, we will hope that Sam Query has shocked the world and done the impossible. All right, he's Chris Bram. I'm Sam Franco. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Crossover. Don't forget, very soon, I'm told, we will be on iTunes, which will make it pretty easy for you to listen to the show. You can just subscribe on iTunes, give us that five-star rating, boom, boom, boom. We're good to go. So uh, we will let you know when that happens. So for Chris Bram, I'm Sam Franco. And for now, of course, you can catch every episode of The Crossover right here on 960theref.com. You've been listening to The Crossover with Sam Franco and Chris Brain on 960theref.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.